Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Great, thanks to you. Uh, lovely to see you all. Um, and if we haven't met, my name's John. Um, and it's lovely to be together. We can meet uh, after service. Uh, as Stu's indicated, over the next four weeks, we're going to be We're going to be diving into this book of Exodus together. Now, we were in Exodus in the morning services uh, over November. So if you want to kind of get a sense of where we've come from, where we've we've gone so far, um, they're all on YouTube. You can look back. Um, Just want to sort of set the scene a little bit. The overall story of Exodus, it's probably one that many of us are familiar with uh, from Sunday school. And so in a a kind of throwback uh, to those days, I'm going to use a a few pictures just to summarize uh, where we've got to in the book, um, and, and if you've never read the book before, then this will give you a little bit of a sense uh, of where we're going. So the book, um, it opens with God's people, uh, the Israelites. They are growing so numerous. Um, so God had promised that they would grow into a great nation, and they were growing into that nation. Um, and so the Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, uh, feels deeply threatened, and he thinks, well, I'll, I'll subject them to a kind of cruel slavery, and that will keep them under control. So we're in this period of persecution, and in the midst of that persecution, a baby boy is born, Moses. His mother has, has tried to hide him because uh, the Pharaoh has issued this decree that all the baby boys in uh, Egypt, uh, the Israelite boys, should be killed. Uh, he wants to try and keep the people under control. So she keeps him hidden for three months, but eventually she can hide him no longer. And in this moment of utter desperation, she puts him in a basket and he floats down the Nile. Well, in God's uh, sovereignty, Pharaoh's daughter happens to be bathing on the Nile, and she uh, picks up the basket. Uh, she adopts Moses into her family, so he grows up among the royalty of Egypt. One day he grows up, he, he goes out to see his people who are in slavery, and he's outraged to see that an Egyptian beating up one of his people. So he, he gets involved, he intervenes to try and stop it, but it ends up managing to kill this Egyptian. Uh, Pharaoh finds out uh, he wants to have him put to death, and so Moses flees to a foreign land. And there he is many years later when when God appears to him. God appears to him from a bush, a burning bush, and he speaks to Moses. He reveals his name, uh, the Lord, I am, the eternal God. He reveals his name to Moses. He reveals his character to Moses. And he commands him to go and to speak to, the, uh, to Pharaoh and to, to say, let my people go out of Egypt. Well, Moses is terrified at this commission from God. And to, so to kind of reassure him, to, to show him that he really is God and that he can, he's powerful to do this, God gives him some, some miraculous signs. God appears to Moses, he gives them these signs. And so reassured, uh, Moses goes and um, he heads back to Egypt um, Aaron, his brother, God sends him to meet him, and they team up together, and they go to tell the people that the Lord ha- has remembered them, 
and he's going to deliver them. And that's where we are in the story, uh, as we'll pick up uh, our reading in a few minutes. Dion's going to bring that to us in a few minutes. Uh, first, we're just going to have a breather at this point in the service. Uh, it might be a chance to, just to chat to those nearest to us, grab a, a drink, some refreshment. Um, you can chat about whatever you like, so there's no obligation to talk about this. But if you'd like to, um, here's a question for us. When in your life does it feel hard to obey Jesus? When in your life does it feel hard to obey Jesus? Uh, so we'll have three or four minutes. Just grab a, dra- grab a drink uh, and we can chat with those nearest to us. Dion, give it a go. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to our Lord, to the Lord our God, sorry. Or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. The king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look at the people of the land. Look, the people of the land are now numerous. Why are you stopping them from working? That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Do not reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh, and his officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as Almighty Lord. But by my name... The Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving. 
and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know what I then you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give you to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh favor. This is the word of the Lord. Dion, thanks so much. Shall we pray together? Father in heaven, please would you come and meet with us now? These are ancient words, but they're your words, and we pray that through them you would speak to us, right into the situations of our lives, right into the things that feel hard, that you would speak to us, comfort us, challenge us, and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not sure what you made of that question, and I wonder what you... Uh, what, why you feel the Christian life can, can sometimes be so hard. Why is it that when we, when we obey Jesus, things don't always go well? I reckon many of us kind of subconsciously have this belief that the Christian life will go better for us than our lives before we became Christians. We might never say it in as many words, but... But maybe we can sometimes operate with this belief that if we obey God, then things in our lives should all kind of be falling into place. And that means that when when we're obedient to Christ and then it doesn't seem to make a big difference to our fortunes, we easily become discouraged. Sometimes in those situations we wonder if obedience to God is really worth it at all. Well, this evening's passage is going to help us with precisely that question. Because the people of God in Moses' day, they were facing a very similar struggle to to believe that obedience to God was worth it. So the first thing we see this evening is uh, is that when obedience makes life harder. When obedience makes life harder. So chapter 4, as I mentioned, it ends with... Aaron going to the people on, on Moses' behalf and telling them, that the people of Israel, telling them that God had, had given Moses a, a revelation of his character and of his plans to deliver them from slavery. And to a people who had suffered decade upon decade of cruel oppression and hardship, that is incredible news. And so here's how chapter 4 ends. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down. And worshipped. And so chapter 5 opens, and Moses and Aaron are going confidently to Pharaoh. Verse 1, if you have the passage open, that would be a great help to you. Verse 1, they went, they went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. A couple of chapters ago, uh, before this, Moses is, is terrified, and then God seems to have completely transformed him from a, a fearful man. Uh, who wanted to run away from the mission, um, into this man of confidence. Here he is boldly going to, to Pharaoh, the most powerful man of his day, and saying, let my people go. 
but it doesn't last long at all. Verse 2, Moses, uh, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Okay, think Moses and Aaron not going quite as we planned. Uh, maybe we should try a different strategy. Verse 3, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Now, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. Moses has mockingly asked them who the Lord is, and they respond. They say, he's the God of the Hebrews, and he's powerful. And so they warn Pharaoh of plagues if he doesn't let them go. But that doesn't work either. Pharaoh's having none of it. And so he, he orders his slave drivers to make life even harder for the Israelites. Now they, they're commanded to make the same number of bricks as they were before, but this time they're not given any straw to strengthen them. They'll have to go and get their own straw. His hope, Pharaoh's hope, is that they're going to be so preoccupied with the work, they won't have any time to think about rebellion and departure from Egypt. Verse 9, make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. And so there follows this account of, of life getting much, much harder for the people. The command goes out, and yet, of course, the people can't keep up with the demand to, to make the same number of bricks as before. So the, the Egyptian slave drivers, they, they beat the Israelites appointed over the work. Uh, they demand to know why they aren't delivering the right quota of bricks. Now, just a little uh, sidebar here, that, that there are lots of wonderful little historical details in this passage that we find backed up by other accounts of of what things were like in ancient Egypt, accounts from outside the Bible. So straw, that was essential to the Egyptian brick-making process because it reinforced the bricks. It helped them to stay intact. And, and documents from the time show that the Egyptian officials did indeed establish quotas like this, daily quotas of, of how many bricks their slaves needed to make. And also, just as we have here, um, these documents show that uh, that show uh, that this is a very accurate account of how the labor was organized. So there were Egyptian slave masters, uh, and then below them there were these Israelite foremen or overseers, and then below them were the rest of the Israelite slaves, just as we have in the, in the narrative here. And I think this is particularly interesting. There are even some buildings that have been found in an area where, where many people believe the Israelites were working, buildings where there are bricks without straw buildings made of bricks without straw. And I'm saying that because in our last series uh, in the evenings, we were, we were thinking about some of the doubts that we might have about our faith. And some of those are around whether we can trust what we read in our Bibles. Well, those little historical details, along with, with loads uh, throughout the Bible, they're just a reminder to us that although our faith, our confidence in the Bible involves faith, it's a reasonable faith. It's not a, a leap into the dark when we say we trust the Bible. There is good evidence to give us that confidence. I would happily chat with you more if you, if you want to chat more about that later. So there we are. We're, we've got Moses and Aaron on behalf of the people. They've obeyed God. They've asked for Pharaoh to let the people go. But their obedience seemed to have make, made life worse. A situation that was very bad has gone to disastrous. 
So the Israelite overseers, they, they go and beg Pharaoh to, to relax the burdens, but he says, no, this is what's going to happen. And so they go and they complain to Moses and Aaron. And chapter 5 ends with Moses saying this to God. Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses and Aaron, they've been obedient to God's call on their life, and yet life has got a whole lot worse as a result. And I wonder, I wonder in what ways you and I can relate to that. Think of your, your own Christian life. Think of whether there are times when following Christ has seemed to make life harder for you. Maybe you're the only follower of Jesus in your workplace, or the only follower of Jesus in your family, and that feels really costly. Maybe you've tried to share something of your faith at work, and all it seemed to do is to make your colleagues think that you're a little bit weird. Or maybe in your family, even even by prioritizing being here at church, at a small group, that has gone down badly. You've been made to feel like you've kind of mucked up the family plans from time to time, just by being here. Or maybe there's some area of life for you where it feels really costly to, to pursue a life of holiness. You and your friends, you go out for drinks, uh, you get to, made to feel distinctly left out when you choose not to drink as much as they do. What is it for you? Maybe there are, there are areas of, of sin in your life. You've been trying to resist them, but it feels really hard. And that is, it is hard to keep on fighting the same old sins time and again. That's costly. One thing that's really helpful in those moments is to remember that, that this has actually always been the way it is for followers of Jesus. Jesus is the one who, who walked the way of the cross before the glory. And that's the pattern for followers of Jesus, going the way of the cross, following him, taking up our crosses before the glory comes. And that is, that is costly at times. Listen with me to what the Apostle Peter says to Christians in his day. These are Christians whose obedience to Jesus had made life harder for them. And he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, that's the normal pattern of the Christian life, following after the way of Jesus, walking the way of the cross, the way of costly obedience. But, but doing that, even with joy, knowing that the glory comes later. So here we've got this situation, this situation where obedience has made life harder. And, and how are we going to react when obedience makes life harder for us? Well, there are, there are two ways from the rest of the passage that help us uh, to think that through. So here's the first. When obedience makes life harder, don't turn back to slavery. Don't turn back to slavery. This chapter um, introduces us to what is really one of the biggest questions in the whole book of Exodus. It's this question. Who are the Israelites supposed to serve? Pharaoh or God? That's actually what's going on in Pharaoh's response. Again, back in, uh, earlier in chapter 5, in chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord 
that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Helpful to know that the uh, ancient Egyptians, they regarded their pharaohs as godlike. So Pharaoh is effectively saying in that verse, I don't recognize your gods, Moses and Aaron. I won't let the Israelites serve that God. They owe their service to me. And so that sets up this question for the chapter and for the whole book. Who will the Israelites serve? Well, at first it looks promising. Remember how chapter 4 ends. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. But then trouble comes. Their, Their suffering increases. And we might expect them in that situation to call out to the Lord. But instead, look with me at how they react. Verse 15. Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, and yet we are told, Make bricks. Your servants are being beaten. But the fault is with your own people. Three times there, the, the Israelite overseers, they refer to Pharaoh as, uh, they refer to themselves rather, as Pharaoh's servants. And that's not an accident, that's deliberate repetition. You see, rather than crying out to God to deliver them from Egypt, they are calling out to Pharaoh. Rather than choosing to regard God as their master, they're, they're preferring to stay in slavery. Rather than, than treating God as the one to follow, even when it's costly, they would prefer to stay in slavery if only their burdens would be reduced. They're faced with this choice, a choice between costly obedience or easier slavery, and they choose the slavery. Now, that sounds crazy when you put it like that, doesn't it? Who would choose slavery? And yet, in many ways, that is actually a picture of what we can be like as followers of Jesus. See, in the New Testament, the story of Exodus is kind of uh, featured prominently as a, a symbolic story. Symbolic for us as Christians, not that it didn't happen, it did happen back then, but for us, it's a symbol of what happens for us. The story of of deliverance from Egypt, our story of deliverance from, from spiritual slavery. That deliverance that comes through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And just as the, the Israelites, they were saved from slavery so that they might worship the living God, so that's what's happened to us if we've trusted Christ. We've been saved from spiritual slavery so that we might worship God with every part of our lives. But here's the thing. What can easily happen when when obedience to Christ makes life harder for us is that part of us is just tempted to turn back to slavery. Obedience feels costly, and so we quickly think that slavery would be easier. It just feels easier to us. This came home to me very strongly a few years ago. I had been ministering, among others, to a young man, um, and he he gloriously came to faith. I remember very clearly sitting across from him as he told me how it had come about that he'd given his life to the Lord Jesus. Wonderful moment. Could have wept with joy. And in the immediate aftermath of that moment, he he was filled with this, this wonderful love for the Lord remember him talking about his deep desire to, to kind of pour out his life to bring God glory. But very quickly, the trouble came. 
leaving the sinful patterns of his former life uh, behind. That felt really costly to him. Temptations came, and he lost his nerve that following Christ was, was really worth it. He fell in with, with some people who were a bad influence on him, and I could just see it all happening. I tried my best, as did others, to encourage him to walk the path of obedience to Christ. But he kept turning back to slavery, to sin. It was, it was a tragic thing to witness. So let, let me ask you this evening, how do you respond when obedience to Christ makes life harder? In those moments where, where we have an opportunity to speak up for Jesus at work or in, in our family, do we, do we go the way of obedience to Jesus and speak even when it feels costly? Or, or do we just keep quiet? Or we could... Th- Think of a a part of our lives where it feels costly right now to obey Jesus. Maybe we are tempted just to give up the fight, to give in, because that feels easier than walking the path of obedience. Are we tempted in those moments to to go back uh, to our old sinful ways of dealing with, with life struggles? I know I am in those moments. But the problem is that when we do that, what we're doing is we're acting like the Israelites. We're, we're choosing easier slavery over costly obedience. So when obedience makes life harder, don't, don't turn back to slavery. And secondly, when obedience makes life harder, don't miss what God might be teaching you about himself. Uh, at the end of chapter 5, we find Moses... Uh, and he's, he's going to God, as, as I read. He's deeply troubled. He's perplexed. He's obeyed God's call to him to go to Pharaoh. But life has only got a whole lot, lot worse for him and the people. And so, as we saw, he calls out to the Lord. Uh, to, to the Lord. What, why is this happening? Well, the way God responds to uh, Moses' question uh, in the rest of the passage that Dion read for us, it, it gives us some really crucial things to recognize about God, about himself, things that he wants us to see when obedience, uh, it feels hard. I'm going to read these verses again. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. What God is doing there is he's he's reminding the people through Moses of who he is and what he's like. So he reminds them that he's the Lord, the eternal, unchanging God. 
He reminds them that he's a God who's heard their groaning, a God who cares deeply about injustice. He reminds them that he's a promise-making and a promise-keeping God uh, who will bring them to the promised land. He tells them he's a God who's, who is going to deliver them with mighty acts of judgment, which will show his power. So he tells them all of that, but, but look with me at how the people react to all this reassurance from the living God. The final verse of our passage, verse 9, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Obedience to God has made life harder for them, and they're in danger of, of missing out on the very things that God might be teaching them in the midst of this moment. Because think about it this way. If Pharaoh hadn't resisted God's command to let the people go, if he hadn't made their slavery harder, then, then the people of Israel would never have discovered so many wonderful things about their God. They wouldn't have realized quite how loving or powerful or promise-keeping he was. And that's why it's really important to us when, when obedience makes life harder that we, we don't miss out what God might be teaching to us in those moments. Actually, when it feels costly to obey Jesus, it's often precisely in those moments that God might be teaching us precious things about himself. Do you know that was the case even for the Lord Jesus? We're told in the book of Hebrews that, that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Isn't that astonishing? An astonishing thing to say. Even the Son of God grew and learned things about his Father through his sufferings. And if that's the case, then, then how much more should we see those times as opportunities to grow? To grow in our, in our knowledge and our love for God. So can I, can I encourage you, if you are finding life hard at the moment, it might be because of some costly obedience or, or, or any other suffering that you're facing. Are you open to what God might be teaching you? Are we open to discovering more of his trustworthiness? More of his love for us that took, up, took his son to the cross. More of the wonderful eternal promises he makes to us. It might just be that God will teach us precious things about himself. More, more things about himself in those times than we could ever imagine. But we need to be open to him uh, to teach us. Not like the Israelites who, who wouldn't listen because of their suffering. No, in those moments, let's be open to what God might be teaching us. So when obedience makes life harder, let's not turn back to slavery to sin. And let's not miss what God is teaching us about himself. I'd love to invite the band up. And in response to what we've been hearing, we're going to sing a new song. Uh, Stu will, will help with the band to lead us through it in a moment. It's a song that, that is going to help us to open ourselves to what God might be at teaching us at through the moments. We might be walking through moments like this right now where obedience feels hard. Well, in those moments, we're going to sing these words, never abandoned, never rejected. I have a father who's fighting for my heart. What a savior. What a healer. I have a father who's fighting for my heart. So we're going to sing this with an openness uh, about what God might be teaching us. We're going to stay seated to start with uh, and we'll follow along as she leads us.
Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.